Today's episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. Welcome everyone to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Shahan J. Roger, the college football insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find all of our work at texasfootball.com. You can follow us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF. You can become a subscriber, if you are not already, at texasfootball.com slash subscribe. Uh, and I'll tell you what, it's the offseason now. There's going to be a lot more premium content coming along, especially during realignment, especially during uh, National Signing Day. We've got a whole lot coming up, so become a subscriber if you have not already. As always, we've got Ishmael Johnson. Ish, how you doing? Yo, what's up, man? Uh, not a whole lot. Um, I'll tell you what. I am glad that this coaching search is officially over for Baylor mm-hmm. because I, it's, it's so much just having to be on top of everything all, yeah. the, all the dang time. Right, right, right. Uh, and, and I guess that's the headlining news from this week. Baylor football officially hires Dave Aranda, uh, fresh off of winning a national championship, of course. Oh, it's not L- Todd Graham going to Hawaii? Uh, well, you know, I'm happy to talk about uh, uh, mesquite legend Todd Graham heading to the University of Hawaii, um, which <laughs> Todd Graham in Hawaii seems like a perfect fit, right? Like just in terms of his person, he just wants to chill. He just he wanted a vacation. He Somebody was like, chill. I don't know how big of a fit that is. Like, That's a great fit because he's going to be <laughs> he's going to want to do well there because he's going to want to stay. Yeah, I. <laughs> They got I, a guy who'd want to stay in Hawaii. I, I saw somebody uh, post a tweet that says, you know, Hawaii understands that if you do well at Hawaii, you're probably going to leave because like that, just just because, you know, it's not a place where you can necessarily build up a right, program. Right, you right. can't compete for, you know, national titles or the Mountain West or anything like that. And so they described it as, Hawaii's here for a good time, not a long time. <laughs> and uh, you know what? That uh, might literally describe yeah, Todd Graham's coaching I, I mean, my, my God, if there's one guy who was here for a good time, not a long time, it is Todd Graham. Anyway. anyway Back to Baylor. Uh, yes. Uh, the other coaching news, I suppose, yes. is, is obviously Baylor's hiring LSU defensive coordinator Dave Aranda as its new head coach. I We talked about this possibility last week. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we'd kind of heard some rumblings that that might be right around the corner, but... Uh, to me, it was a little bit of a surprising move still. Um, really? Yeah, just because it, it was interesting that all of a sudden, sort of right now, like mm-hmm. Dave Aranda's 43, right? He's a very young coach, right. which is surprising for how much success he's had. Um, I was surprised that now was the time that he decided he wanted to be a college head coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, not necessarily that he's a good fit for the job. I think that he is a good fit. But um, but it was interesting that now was the time. Sure. You know, I, I mean, because he's sort of been this presence in the background at LSU. Like, like a lot of people sort of started talking down his defense at LSU this season. I mean, they they were exactly as good as they needed to be, mm-hmm. you know, and he's been a tremendous mind the last several years. Um, you, you, what about you? What, what were your, so, some of your initial thoughts from this hire? My initial thoughts were, I mean, I kind of expressed a little bit of the concerns last week um, yeah. as far as like, Obviously, not knowing what offense he's going to run, because typically that's the thing when you when you hire a defensive coach is right. What's the other side of the ball going to look like? How and much? And we still don't know. At this and we point. still don't know. Um, have we heard some names? I don't know if you've heard names or like. I've heard very casual names. Uh, I, I mean, and, and again, to be clear, this is not me necessarily reporting. This is just yeah. me. You know, names have been th- thrown about. Larry Fedora was one. Mm-hmm. That's probably a one year thing if they do it because he's he wants to be a head coach again. Right. Um, Another name I, I've heard um, the analyst on LSU staff who was kind of working with uh, Joe Brady. Yeah, working okay. with Joe Brady. Uh, his name is Jorge Munoz. He used to be mm-hmm. the offense coordinator at Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but but none of this is firm. You know, all of this is sort of uh, you know 
these are just names being thrown about. I've right. I've heard that you know that potentially some of the guys currently on staff could stick around. Like we've heard everything. So yeah, far, yeah, basically. yeah. We don't we don't necessarily know a whole lot. Um, you know, the, the one thing that I'll say is that with the names that are being thrown about, it doesn't sound like. Dave Rand is going to make a Kirby Smart offensive coordinator hire. Right, right. You know, it doesn't sound like it's just going to be like, hey, we're going to, you know, run the ball 80 times a game. Control the clock and right, right, give right. our defense rest and things like that. I mean, yeah. if I feel like if he learned one thing from this past season at LSU, mm-hmm. it's that, you know, you have to open things up to yeah. be able to compete at the highest level. Right. And... And, and honestly, I think that's what Baylor learned towards the end of the season. Because yeah, it was I, like the, one of the, the downfalls against Oklahoma was that they couldn't move the ball down the field when they really needed to. And Oklahoma broke through that good defense and right. finally hit them over the top. Baylor had no answer for that. Right. And and the funny thing is, you know, I mean, the first two years with Charlie Brewer, they were a little bit better about opening things up. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think last year, because the defense was so good, right. they decided to kind of button things back up. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it, and obviously it got them to 11 wins. You know, it's not like it didn't work. But I think that we saw, obviously, against Georgia and against Oklahoma, that yeah. when you try to play in a phone booth and you don't have the same level of athletes necessarily that the other team has, mm-hmm. it's not going to work the same way. Right. And... So I, I think that it's at least encouraging some of the names that we've been hearing because, mm-hmm. yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, like, yeah, it, it, some of the names definitely are appealing. And I guess getting back on the overall, just overall thoughts on the hire, I think it was a, it was a, especially when you kind of saw certain staff members leaving. Yeah. In particular, Phil Snow. Yeah, that, um, that, that, that made was, promoting that was, internally a that, lot Right, right. And so that was probably the biggest pillar to fall, I think, was Phil Snow and that, yeah. that exact defense probably not being able to be retained no, for sure and so realizing that's your strength of that side of the ball too and kind of embracing the identity of hey we're going to be the defensive team of the big 12 yeah right tcu is kind of you know gary patterson is one of the greatest defensive minds probably the best defensive mind in college football right now uh for the past generation um but tcu has not been there consistently Right. If Baylor wants to take that mantle and say, "Look, that's 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 a lane that is open for for the taking in this conference," then we're going to take it. We're going to we're going to zig when everyone else zags, and we're going to make this. We're going to be able to play these games in a phone booth a little to an extent. Um, maybe hopefully opening up things more on the offensive side well, next year. But if ba- I, I think I, I like Baylor embracing that of saying, "Like, you were, yeah, we'll be the defensive strong defensive team right. in this conference." Well, and I think that we saw that. First of all, it's a lane that I, I don't think that many teams in the state have taken successfully. Now, I think sure. that I think that Texas A&M wants to work towards that, obviously. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, Jim is an offensive coach, but great defense is part of that identity. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I mean, it, it's like there isn't necessarily a team other than TCU, first of all, in the Big 12, and then second of all, in the state, mm-hmm. that really is sort of, we are a defensive team first. Right. And... First of all, I think that you look at TCU and, and you say, obviously, there's a lot of upside when you play that way mm-hmm. because, you know, TCU consistently for 20 years now has overperformed what TCU should perform, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, obviously, part of that is also just Gary Patterson being a good coach, right. but it's also that they have overachieved as a program and, and been able to elevate themselves to being now a Big 12 program because of the way that they've overachieved. Right. And I think that if you're Baylor, you know, you think that, that might be a strategy long-term that, that you can do. And, and I think that, you know, the thing about Baylor, too, is that, like, they have 
all of the the materials in place to do what TCU's done for a generation and then some. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they have as good, if not better, facilities. They have, uh, you know, and now I think I think that the question obviously becomes like there are going to be a lot of recruiting battles between Baylor and TCU, right? You know, because they're going to be the two teams that are like. Hey man, like obviously a lot of kids are going to go to Texas because they're going to go to Texas. A lot of kids are going to go to A and M because of the A and M. But like, you know, when you're talking about the sort of borderline four star defensive kids, especially like defensive linemen, a kid like James Sylvester who right. obviously did flip. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that there's going to be a lot of battles within this state between these two teams. And and I I mean over the past couple of years, I mean Baylor's won a lot of those battles. Mm-hmm. And so. Look, obviously, I think it's kind of funny to say that if you're Baylor, you want to be like TCU, but you right, do. You right. know, I mean, it's it's yeah. been sustained success for a long time, um, and and obviously, you know, you hope you can do a couple things better to be even better. But but like, it's not a bad strategy no, to, really to try isn't. to be the, the great defensive team because you know I think that the thing that we always see with defensive teams, and, and we've seen this in the SEC, we've seen this, you know, in the Big Ten, is like if you are only defense mm-hmm. in a defensive league. It's just there's only so much you can do, right? Yeah. Um, but if you are a defense-first team in a league that's, you know, while I think is we still make too much about it being an offensive league, right? Uh, you know, it's still a very good offensive league, obviously, and and you sort of mix that in with having a strong defense with somewhat of a dynamic offense. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how you compete at this level. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, you, you take... Now, granted, some there's been plenty of programs across the country that have tried the zig while everyone else zags, and right. it's not worked. Right. right. Take Arkansas with literally basically everything they've done since right. Petrino right. Um, until now. But like, uh, you can take them, or they try to out Bama, Alabama, and Georgia right. and Florida, and it's like, okay, that's not working. Right. You can try Florida ever since Urban Meyer left, where they right. tried to go Jim McElwain and Will Muschamp and these right. these line them up and you know try to out out Bama Bama. Not going to work. Um, you know, Rice is trying that right now. It's they're they're seeing some success, yeah, because their talent level is not exponential or the 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 talent gap isn't insanely large. Right, to be well, able to there do isn't that. there isn't the Alabama on the other side. Right, there isn't the, the Alabama too. on the other side, and they always they also have a natural barrier to recruiting in right. the type of guys they can recruit to that right. school. And so there's not you know they're not it's just different, and it work it could work for them. It's showing the seeds of potentially working. Um, we saw Ohio State do that with Urban Meyer in the Big Ten, right? Everyone, yeah. The Big Ten was known for slow, plotting offense and defense, right. and Urban Meyer comes in and lights everybody well, on fire. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, man, like, even to this day, like, Penn State's the one team that's kind of adjusted to that. Right, But, right. but like, and obviously they've been really good for mm-hmm. several years and now. And Michigan this year. Michigan, Michigan finally started to do right. something different this year. But it is insane. Like, like when you watch Ohio State yes. play the rest of the Big Ten, it looks like you're watching, like, college kids play against like sixth graders right because they just run so much faster right. you're like oh right these are florida and texas kids right <laughs> beating right. this kid from wyoming like right. like right. no offense to the midwest but it's like there is a <laughs> there is a speed difference because right. of the competitive level of where ohio state's recruiting right and so like there is this notion of you know and, and let's go with stanford in right. pac-12 uh, they had a little bit of a downturn this year but if you play hard-nosed defense and you l- l- field eight offensive linemen right. on a sing- in a single uh, formation, you can Correct. run over Pac-12 schools who are trying right. to really go hurry up uh, in the kind right. of late aughts there. Right. Um, and, and the Big 12 yeah. is is still, you know, and, and it's changing, obviously. It's, it's definitely, right, right. There's States, no longer. Texas Tech wants to be. Right. Physical. The Big 12 is no longer that, hey, we're just going to score 60 every time. Like, we're, there's, it's no longer that. There's, uh, I'll, I'll say, like, 
when uh, Herman's first couple years, Orlando brought some right. good defense to that. Obviously, Matt Campbell, you mentioned with Ohio uh, Iowa State. Um, obviously, yeah. TCU's always been there. All, all I want is for whenever coaches are interviewed and whenever we have broadcasts to not have to bring up wow oh, this is a big 12 game yeah, yeah it, we're, we're like it's, five years behind the time we're the s- seriously this <laughs> it has, it, we're long past the days of 65 to 59 right. and all that stuff but but Pat uh, Mahomes and Baker Mayfield but I think stuff. obviously you know Baylor found some success being able to be physical you yeah. know I, I think that I think that physicality is still something that's developing in the big 12 and sure. that's how Kansas State dominated the Big 12 for years. Right. Um, you know, and that's something I think Baylor did very well last year. And um and I think that schematically, I mean, look, Gary Patterson is the, you know, best X and O's coach in the Big 12 until proven otherwise. Mm-hmm. Dave Rand is going to be right there with them. Yeah. And, and obviously John Peacock at Iowa State. Like mm-hmm. those are the guys. Right. Know, right. And so um look, there's no guarantee that anything's going to work until we see games played and until we see staffs filled out, but I mean, the early, I think that the early signs are good. I mean, we, we have yet to hear for sure whether uh, Joey McGuire will be back mm-hmm. on staff. We did see some good social media activity. Yes, um, they yes, were lots all of, lots hit, of Baylor him, Wetzel, and Sean Bell and yep. a couple other staffers, maybe, were all yep. at THSEA. Yep. So obviously that's not a confirmation that he's staying, but it's a good sign that he's out doing stuff with right. Dave Aranda. <laughs> right, so, right. And, being seen um, with him. We do know Sean Bell's going to be staying in an on-field role yes. uh, in some capacity. Mm-hmm. I will say it almost will certainly not be offensive line coach. Right. I don't. That's always going to be the one Matt Rule decision that was very weird. To yeah. Me. But uh, but I, you know he's staying in an on field role. David Wetzel will stay in sort of a high school relations role. Um, you know so so there will be some continuity with the staff at least. Um, you know which I think helps any transition. Mm-hmm. So uh, and obviously you do have a lot of players who have played coming back in in 2020. So so that obviously should help the transition too. Okay. Okay. So the other news that came out over the weekend, uh, Dear King is is actually reuniting with the guy from the state. Yeah. Rhett Lashley at Miami. <laughs> yep. Uh, nailing down Dear King, and I saw some somebody shared with me that Dear King is now like top five in Heisman odds. <sighs> Man. So that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Here here's the one thing that I'll say about that. Right. Okay. Is that Miami's offensive line was not very good. Right. And that's a bigger issue to me than the quarterback play. Sure. Like that's that's why it was a little surprising to me that Miami was the pick. Because uh, while I think that Rhett Lashley is phenomenal, like I, I think he's a really good coach, mm-hmm. uh, they it's not like they were a quarterback away last year. Right. You know, no, I mean, they, I, they're I all, think, their whole offense was bad. I, and I honestly think that Jared Williams was pretty good last year. Sure. For, for what they had. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and obviously you hope defensively they can also build back up because Manny Diaz is the head coach. But like... <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I don't know what exactly this team is, right? Yeah. Oh man, these Heisman odds are weird. <laughs> I'm look, so I'm looking at I'm looking at FanDuel right now. Well, um, so I'm assuming Trevor Lawrence number one. No, Justin Fields. I don't hate it. Yeah. Okay, so so Lawrence, Lawrence two. two. Okay. Um, is Travis Etienne top five? <laughs> Travis Etienne is not. Uh, he's thirteenth on this list. Let's just go with top five. I I, I gotta say though, I gotta say okay. just just real quick. Travis Etienne gets less respect than like any running back I've ever seen in my life. That's probably true because yeah. he's the best player on that offense. Number three and four, a lot of projections going on. Okay, here. Uh, um, is Mac Jones one of them? No. Is Spencer Rattler? Spencer Rattler is third. Okay, <laughs> third. That <Wow>. is wild. <laughs> at plus twelve hundred. Yeah. Um, Derek King is fourth at plus fourteen hundred. Wow. Jamie Newman. 
Okay. Is 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 fifth. So that rounds here's, up the top five. Here's my thing, right? Yeah. I think Jamie Newman is fantastic. I think that Jamie Newman deserved a lot more credit last year. Sure. Do you really think that Kirby Smart's going to be the one to make up a Heisman winner? Nope. <laughs> nope. No. I mean, so that, yeah, the, the one thing that I will say stuff. is that they are bringing in Todd Monken, apparently, to run their offense. That's going to be an interesting move. So I I'm trying don't to see if there's know. any other Texas player. Okay, Ellinger is 11th. <laughs> okay. Uh, plus 2,500. Uh, Kellen Mond is fifteenth. Okay, uh, sure. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, that is it, my friends. I believe. Yeah, it goes all the way to like fifty. This is wild. But anyway, keep going. I, I can't believe that they snub Max Duggan like that. That's absolutely disrespectful. <laughs> hey, hey, where's Shane Bouchel, the best quarterback in the state? Uh, Shane Bouchel is not on this list. Wow. <laughs> you want Sean Robinson is thirty fourth. Oh. <laughs> no, no, oh, oh no, oh dear. Okay. Anyways, all right. So congratulations on. to Television's Greg Tepper for having a Heisman contender on his. I am gonna. This list is wild. <laughs> what? How is? How is Sean Robinson on the list? Because they Bouchel needed a li- They needed names for the list. Yeah, Shane Bouchel. Like I, I'm not saying he should win it or anything. I don't know. I'm saying Charlie he's Bruce one of the 55th. top 35 players. Yeah, in man. According to FanDuel, so. Oh my God! What? Okay. Anyway, anyway, that that just kind of blew my mind. I'm not yeah. gonna lie to you. But, Back uh, on DRK. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. This Miami team was weird because, I mean, they made a bowl game, right? You know, they they won six games, um, but and and on top of that, like they dominated Florida State, they beat Pitt, they beat Virginia, mm-hmm. but then they had losses against FIU and Louisiana Tech in their last three games. Yeah, like Conference USA was really bad last year. Mm-hmm. I, I think that we can all like, and they also lost to Virginia Tech before Virginia Tech figured it out. Like yeah. Vatek fi- uh, w- finished the year strong, but they right. they lost to them when they were still like, "What's with Virginia Tech?" <sighs> I okay, yeah, I I don't know, man, I, and yeah, I don't know. That's that makes me a little speechless. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. They scored zero points in their bowl game. Yeah, no, yeah, I remember <laughs> that. No, that's that's why Manny Diaz had to make that firing because, yeah. um, and it was the it funny was thing. The funny thing was, like, I thought that Dan Enos was going to be a good hire there. He had he had been helpful at uh, he had been the quarterback coach, I think, at Alabama, right? I think so. Um, and like, generally, had had success before, but it was just a disaster. I don't know. I, anyway, Rhett Lashley is going to be a great fit there, I think, eventually. Right. I'm just a little curious. So, according to Pro Football Focus, Miami had the 100th ranked offensive line. Oh boy. So yeah. Well, that was okay. Bad. So just looking at their schedule. So that's what Brett, that's what Rhett Lashley has to work with, and that hopefully. That's probably, yeah. or actually, that's probably what DR King's gonna have to work with. Too, well, okay. Going up from there. The one thing I, I will say, I'm looking at their schedule right now for 2020. Mm-hmm. So they get Temple, not the easiest game, but but a winnable game. Right. Wagner UAB, those should be wins. At Michigan State, that's sort of a 50 50 game. I think. Mm-hmm. I, I think that'll actually be a good test to see whether it can be any good. But sure. but it's not like Michigan State's gonna shut them down either. Right. Uh, they've got Pitt at home at Wake Forest versus North Carolina at Virginia is going to be a really tough game versus Florida State. I don't think we know what to think about them as yet at Georgia Tech versus Duke. So it's there's not really like a you super. Missed, you t- missed at Vatech too. At Vatech, yeah, that's after Florida State. At least according to uh, football so, schedules. Okay, well it's not showing up on ESPN for whatever reason. Okay. I, I have no idea why. But um, but yeah, so there's not like. There's really not more than one or two games that are like, ugh, this is this is really bad. You right. Know? I mean, they they should be competitive in all twelve games, you know. So I mean, there is an opportunity here if Dear King is that good, you mm-hmm. know, it, it, at this level and and with the talent around him, right? Because 
I mean, look, the U has players. Yeah. I don't think that that should be in question by anybody. But uh, I don't know. It's it's a lot to ask of De'Aaron King to come in and kind of fix everything, especially when quarterback wasn't the biggest issue, right? Right. There. No, that's yeah. That's definitely the thing. Is like it didn't matter who Miami threw back there, and yes, they alternated quarterbacks and things like that. But it, that was not the biggest issue. The other thing that, that has to be a thing is De'Ara King has not played a full season of football. Yeah. Like, yeah. he was obviously hurt in 2018 when he broke out. Right. Um, and then, obviously, he did not come. He, he redshirted last year and, you know, sat out. But he has not played a full year. Right. And so, I don't want to say he's – I don't want to say durability issues and things like that, but there is rust to be associated with yeah. that, that he's going to come in and be the guy that we saw at the start of 2018 – or uh, especially if it's behind some an offensive line like this, you got to imagine Manny Diaz is going to go hit the JUCO or the transfer portal really hard to sure. sure that up really quickly. And you also got to assume that Rhett Lashley can get something going, whether it's a quick passing game or something, maybe you know a bunch of RPOs where he's just right. Not well, just he's going to be in motion a lot because right, right. here's the thing, right? Is that I think that we all saw last year that when. Dana Holgerson came in, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, he while he does embrace having a quarterback who can move, he doesn't necessarily know. Not that he doesn't know. He hasn't necessarily schemed for a dual-threat quarterback right. and, and gotten the most out of it. Like, I mean, Skylar Howard, they did a little bit, but, like, most of it is rolling out. It's mm-hmm. not necessarily, like, actual, like, run set-up runs or anything like that. Right. Um, you know, and, and I think that we saw that, like, you know, King isn't going to be at his best if he's just standing in the pocket. Right. Um, and the one thing that you say about Rhett Lashley, man, is, like, this is – the offensive coordinator who helped take Nick Marshall to the national title game. Mm-hmm. You know, so, I mean, honestly, if you're to give me the Power 5 comparison for what De'Aaron King is, Nick Marshall is about as good as you can get, right? Sure. And, and I think that, obviously, De'Aaron King's a better passer than Nick Marshall was. Mm-hmm. So, this is a coach who's going to know what to do with him, I think. And and I hope that, you know, like we saw with uh, with Kendall Braz, I hope that he gets rolled out a lot. I hope that he's throwing on the run a lot, because that's the sort of spaces where he has success mm-hmm. you know i mean we, we talk about like a guy like mason fine for example being kind of small and but still being able to find creases in the pocket see downfield really well that's not necessarily something that that dear king always did well mm-hmm. you know i mean i think that it, that if you can get him moving a little bit i think that he's actually really good throwing on the move i think that you know it, it adds a whole nother level to your offense and i think that Rhett lash is going to be able to, to be the kind of guy who can do that definitely okay so we're going to finish up with this so it's kind of weird. Like, 2019 already feels like it was so long ago. Like, it feels like it's been so long since I've watched <laughs> college football games. But we're already looking forward to 2020. Mm-hmm. So, uh, a couple interesting things that, that should impact the state. Obviously, Oklahoma State having everybody coming back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeez, it's good. they're going to be so good next yeah, year. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I, I, I went ahead and put together, like, 10 games that I think that, that we should keep an eye on heading into 2020. Um, well, it, number one is cheating, but, but that's, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, okay, so number 10 was Texas versus Oklahoma. This, mm-hmm. this is always an easy one. I mean, that's one that you can put on the list any year. It doesn't matter how good the teams are. And both teams should be pretty good next year. It gets knocked down a little bit because, like, there's not something special about this game necessarily. Like, That's it's fair. Just, it's just a Texas versus Oklahoma game. Like, yeah. hey, if Texas wins, Tom Herman's in a good place. If Texas loses, Tom Herman's in a bad place. But that's every year. Right. right? That's just that's just this rivalry. But uh, October 10th in Dallas, I think that that one should be a lot of fun. It'll be Sam Ellinger's last chance to beat Oklahoma in mm. the regular season. It'll be Spencer Rattler's likely first shot at the Texas Longhorns, which should be a lot of fun. Um, well, no, because he won. Uh, Ellinger won. No, no, no. It, it, did I say I said his last shot to get a, another? 
Another win. Okay. Another one. Yeah, okay. yeah. No, okay. He, he won in 2018. I was like, Sorry. I was like, I was yeah, like, yeah, that's confusing word. I, I, yeah. I get, which, yeah, but this, it's his last shot against him in the regular season. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and so, you know, this would be a big spot for him to obviously get a win. I mean, I think that we obviously project Ellinger to be one of the top quarterbacks in the state in the country. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I, it would be pretty disappointing to not, you know, to not finish at least 500 in right. his career against right. Oklahoma. Number nine. Okay. This one, we're going to the transitional FCS ranks. Charlton versus Missouri State. This is going to be their first Division One game at home. Mm-hmm. So they, they play an interesting schedule because they do play a lot of D2 teams at home to start. But this is their first game against a Division One opponent at home as a Division One team. So there should be a lot of excitement for this game in Stephenville. I mean, I know that people have been anticipating them moving up to Division One for a long time. Like a lot of people have talked about Charlton wants to be a Division One program down mm. the road. So there should be a lot of excitement. Their facilities are awesome. I mean, I think that they should get a great crowd for this game. Uh, the one thing that's weird about this game, you know, obviously is going to be on the other sideline, right? Oh, man. Good old Bobby Petrino. Bobby Petrino. <sighs> so these are two teams that want to be successful at the SCS level. Yep. And they, this is going to be a chance for them to prove it. It's it's going to, yeah. Whew. I, I will tell you what, though. Uh, I mean, not to get into it too much, but the other rumored hire going back to Stephenville would have been a lot worse situation. So, you know, we'll, we'll just be thankful that it's only Bobby Petrino <laughs> heading to this game on November 14th. But, yeah, so this will be the first game for Charlton as home uh against a Division One opponent as a Division One team. So should be a lot of fun uh, November 14th. They also played Dixie State, another transitioning team later in the year. That's mm. on November 28th. So they'll get those two games against Division One opponents. All the rest are going to be on the road because they kind of have to piecemeal together a schedule. Uh, number eight. <laughs> so Texas Tech fans were mad last year after the Baylor game. <laughs> and probably rightfully so. Yep. <laughs> that was... Uh, obviously, the snap infraction was a very bad call. I yes. think that we can all acknowledge that. Uh, you know, obviously, Baylor was a better team, but like that was a bad that call. That was a really bad call. That was a really bad call. He, 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 I, I don't even know the logic behind it. He's, I have no he idea. He snapped the thinking. ball and it fumbled, so therefore it was a snap infraction? I have no <laughs> idea. I have no idea. I, I legitimately cannot I mean, think of what uh, the reasoning was behind I, it. I have no idea. Yeah. It, it was. <laughs> and the funny thing about that is like, that's how close Tech was because Tech was 4-8. and eight. They get that one, and then they had like a bunch of other games that were like one-possession games. Mm-hmm. It's like, this could have been a 7-5 and five team with like two things going differently, yeah. but, but none of those things happened. But we will get Texas Tech hosting Baylor in Lubbock for the first time since 2008 uh, because this game has obviously been played in Arlington for several years at this point. Uh, and it'll be a Thursday night night game in Lubbock. Oh, man. Against a Woo. team that they are not happy with. Yep. <laughs> that should be a lot of fun. And these two teams have played a lot of close games over the past couple of years. Even Like, the funny thing about it was, like, when Tech was playing well, Baylor still played them close. When Baylor was playing at a high level, Tech still played them close. Like, this isn't, like, a they're not true rivals necessarily, but this is this this has all sort of the the makings of a rivalry game because of how the fan bases feel about each other, mm-hmm. how these games have gone, um, and and I think that both these team seasons could turn a lot on this game because you know I mean obviously Baylor's going to be worse next year without you know with a new head coach with a lot of players leaving and Texas Tech is gonna, is trying their best to get back to a bowl game and and I think they have a great shot of doing it right. in, year, in year two so this this one should be a lot of fun. Uh, the Battle of I-35 is back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Texas State versus UTSA on September 12th. Why do, why do we have a year off? I have no idea. 
I honestly do not know. <laughs> that was weird. I don't know why we had a year off. This game should be played every year. And, yeah. and on top of that, it's it's like what we were talking about with the last one. Like, this game will mean a lot to both these team seasons. Oh, yeah. Because obviously, uh, U2Say coming in with a new head coach after going 4-8. and eight, but, but on top of that, they're 4-8. Uh, I think that they only had... I think that they're... They only beat teams that finished with three or less wins. Something like that. It, it, was, it, like, it wasn't impressive. No, no, it was not impressive at all. Like their their winning per- percentage of teams that they beat was like fifteen percent. Right. <laughs> it was bad. Uh, and and obviously Texas State disappointing three and nine season. Um, you know, in in the first year under Jake Spavital, not a whole lot of improvement necessarily. But w- I do think that we get a pretty fun quarterback matchup with this game. Mm-hmm. Frank Harris versus likely Brady McBride mm-hmm. on on the other sideline. Um, you know, two guys who were fantastic in high school uh, now both have a chance to, to play at this level. By the way, do you know which the, the reason why this is going to be an interesting game to me is because uh, you know who the both teams play the week prior. So um, UTSA plays LSU. Yes. And uh, does Texas State play SMU? They play SMU. So, so they're so, both going to get whacked. Yes. Yeah, so I was about to say, so we won't probably know anything about either of these teams right. from week one. Well, you just have to hope if you're Texas State that uh, that SMU decides not to use TJ McDaniel. Again. Right, exactly. <laughs> Which, I mean, he's their only running back, so he's probably going to yeah. be. Yeah, he's probably going to be a big part of that game plan. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So this will be the first real game for both these teams, mm-hmm. too, after getting just shellacked. Um, and this game's at Texas State, right? Uh, yes, it is. Yeah, so so Jeff Trailer still without a home game at this point. Boy. But obviously, I mean, look, when you have these two teams playing, they're so close to each other. Like, it's going to be a great crowd. For sure. Next up, SME versus TCU on September 26th. Uh, okay, so so last year, obviously, SME wins this game. The game only ends up being a three-point win. Mm-hmm. I think that we can all agree that it was a lot more dominant than that. Right. Um, but SMU has to replace a lot this year. TCU is settled on their quarterback position, as far as we know, at least, um, and and returns a whole ton on defense. This is going to be, I think, a good test to see whether SMU sort of has that magic from last year. Because they lose a lot. They right. lose a lot, especially on defense. Um, and then on offense, I mean, Xavier Jones is gone. They're replacing a coordinator. Yeah, James Prochet is gone. Rhett Lashley is gone. This I, I think that obviously with Shane Bouchelle back, with Reggie Robertson back, SMU still has a lot of upside. Mm-hmm. But I think we're going to see just how much upside they have against TCU this year. Because TCU should be a better team this year, obviously. A little bit more uh, stability on offense. Um, you know, I, I think that the funny thing, too, is like, man, their safety rotation last year was awesome. Yeah. And now, like, our Darius Washington's going to be a sophomore instead of a freshman. Like... There's a lot of upside on this TCU team. So I think we're actually going to learn a lot about TCU's past defense, especially. Um, you know, they have to replace Jeff Gladney and Julius Lewis. It, it's going to be, I think, a good game to see where both these teams are. Because I'll tell you what, man, I, I was high on SMU last year. I didn't have them going to Fort Worth and beating the crap out of TCU. Yeah. <laughs> I did not see that coming at all. <sighs> so so I think that this should be a good test for both these teams. Uh, our first Division three game of the afternoon at number five, Harden-Simmons versus Mary Harden-Baylor. Uh, last year, Harden Simmons lost to Mary Harden Baylor, kept them out of the playoffs. Like they they went, God. I, I they only had two losses heading into the playoffs, and that was enough. And one of their losses was to the number one. Such team a weird playoff selection, like, yeah, criteria. Yeah, our, our buddy Corey Hogue has, has talked about it extensively. But basically, like, there's basically only like five at large bids. Yeah, in the entire playoff. Mm. Like that sucks, man. <laughs> There's like, and you have to be in the same conference with Mary Harden Baylor. Mm. 
So this game will be very important for Harden Simmons. Obviously, Mary Harden Baylor coming off of a kind of disappointing run in the playoffs, uh, losing as early as they have in the last several years. Um, so I think that you know Harden Simmons has an opening here, but we'll have to see it. I mean, Harden Simmons hasn't beaten Mary Harden Baylor since I think 2015. So like, mm. and and this is a rivalry game. These are mm-hmm. both top ten teams every single year, year in and year out. I mean, when you talk about investment in their football programs at the D3 level, like. They are on another level than everybody else. Now, Texas Lutheran's kind of pushing now to, to kind of get into that group, but, like, these are the superpowers in this state, so it should be a, a really good game. I don't think it's scheduled as yet, though. That's, mm. I mean, I, I think that some of the lower-level schools don't necessarily <laughs> announce all this stuff until later. Right. Number four, uh, this one is, is a true rivalry game, too. Baylor versus TCU. Yep. So the last two years, I'd argue that this game has helped define both of their seasons. Because, obviously, in 2018, TCU makes a bowl game because they go into Waco and hold them to nine points. And then last year, that triple overtime game helped keep TCU out of a bowl. (laughs) So, like, again, this is just one of those games where it's just, like, every single year, it's going to impact how we see their season. And um, and I think that this one should be even more fun because now, like, you got the Dave Aranda versus Gary Patterson chess match. Yep. That's... That's going to be a lot of fun. And it's going to be wild. I mean, depending on, obviously, TCU's quarterback situation, right. what it looks like, what we're kind of looking at that, if it's Baldwin, if they decide to go with Duggan, you right. know, what happens there. Um, but just defensively, this game is going to be just a bloodbath. Yeah, it's going to be and wild. we remember how this game went last year, yeah. obviously. I mean, this, this it was game... A, it was a slug. It was haymakers. Like right. It was just, like, body blows and haymakers right. the I whole mean, time. What was it, like, 10-10 at the end of regulation? Yeah. I think it was, like, insane stuff. <laughs> And and now I mean look I think that obviously Baylor's staff last year was had phenomenal defensive minds on it but like mm-hmm. Dave Aranda's maybe even a step up from that right. in terms of like pure schematic ability and, and you think and you think Gary Patterson wouldn't love to ruin uh, Dave Aranda's <laughs> first season <laughs> in Waco in Waco yeah come on now. I, I mean middle of October yeah who boy yeah this this one could get feisty mm-hmm. and and the other thing too is like these teams are going to be about the same level next year. Yeah. You know, they're both going to be pushing for about eight to nine wins. And, like, this game – the funny thing about football, right, because you only play 12 of them, mm-hmm. one loss can completely ruin your season. Right. You know, the difference between seven and eight is monumental, especially when your rival is the team that's handing you that loss. <laughs> so it, this one should be a lot of fun. Uh, okay, th- this is where Oklahoma State comes into play. So Texas and Oklahoma State play in the last week of the season. So – I think that we all are in agreement that mm-hmm. Oklahoma is written into the Big 12 championship game until they're not. Right. Uh, and honestly, there's no reason to think that they're not going to be next year. There's a good chance this is for that number two. Yeah. <laughs> this game could mean a lot. Yep. Again, last game of the year in Stillwater. Both these teams not only want to play in the Big 12 championship game, Man. both these teams think that they could be a playoff team. Yeah. And... We can argue back and forth about whether that's the case, but Chuba Hubbard and Spencer Sanders and Tylen Wallace all came out earlier this week at a press conference and said they want to win a national championship. Mm-hmm. Uh, we obviously know that Sam Ellinger in his final season would love nothing more than to win a national championship. I mean, right. this, this guy is as Texas as Texas gets. And one of these dreams is going to die on this field. Yep. <laughs> in horrifying fashion. Yeah, Like, that's the thing, too, right, is like, if this game was, like, October 12th, like, you know, it would be a big game. Mm-hmm. But, like, the last week. a night game in Stillwater for a chance to play for the Big 12 title. Which, which I mean, look, obviously that's projecting a lot. We have to assume sure, that, sure, like, sure. you know, a lot of things go right. 
what? I, I think at this point, that's the most likely scenario. Mm-hmm. It's going to be. I mean, considering ridiculous. how f- how fun this game was this year. Yeah. Like with first year starter Spencer Sanders. Right. With Texas kind of f- still figuring out what the hell was going on with its season. Right. Um, this was an insane game. Right. And to think that add that add stakes to that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like, right. oh Jesus. Well, and the thing is, too, man, is like. Obviously, Texas is going to return a lot, and I think that they should be better. Yeah. You know, I, I think that they should make strides. Oklahoma State, everybody's going to talk about their offense, mm-hmm. right? I mean, they've got, you know, the, the one of the best. Best running back, best wide receiver, and one of the I guess, three best quarterbacks in, this, in the conference, I'd yeah. say. I mean, yeah, Ellinger. I think that's, I think that's fair. I, I think Bowman, maybe. He's in Rattler, the conversation. I guess. He's in the conversation. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He, it, it's going to be a, a tight group. I right, think. right. Um, behind Ellinger, who I think is number one. But, right. but uh, I mean, you know, a very good quarterback nonetheless. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I think clearly, I mean, Chuba Hubbard and, and Tyler Walsh were both finalists for the best of their positions. I think it's pretty clear year. they're number one by right. a good margin in their right. position group. So, but the thing that people aren't talking about is how good Oklahoma State's defense could be next year. Mm-hmm. Because they returned their entire defensive line. They were very young this year. And they're all going to be back. They're linebackers. I think that they have to replace one. But but the vast majority of their production is back. Really, the only guy that they lose on their entire defense is A.J. Green at cornerback. And other than that, I mean, they are pretty stacked. Man. So, like, you could see a whole lot of growth from that unit next year. They were 53rd in S&P Plus, right. which a, a unit that is young, right. 53rd, basically saying they're nation average. Right. Maybe a little more than average. Right. But, like... A unit that returned that if they can crack top thirty, yeah, good then, God. And then like <laughs> then you have to deal with their offense, right? And then you have to deal with an offense that's probably going to crack top fifteen, top ten. Right. Like, right. oh my gosh. <laughs> well, and, and the thing is too is like we got to see some of that in the bowl game against X A and M, right? Yeah. Now obviously Kellen Mond broke off some giant runs, but like that's what Oklahoma State was able to do defensively without their starting safety. Mm-hmm. You know, Colby uh, uh, Harvey Peel was dealing with an injury. He didn't even play in the game, and he's arguably their best defender. Like, <laughs> it, it's going to be a lot of fun. And then, obviously, Texas. I mean, we don't need to tell you about, you know, what we think that Texas could be next year with, you know, Caden Stearns hopefully healthy, those cornerbacks having a, a year in the system now. Like, man, I'm excited for this game. This I, I probably going to be a blast. Yeah, I... I, I well, I was going to say that this game should be higher, honestly, but, but like, the, the top two are also bangers. Right. Texas A&M at Alabama. Ooh, buddy. So, looking at A&M's schedule. Yes. Talked about it before. There is a – I'm not going to say it's, like, especially likely because, like, you have to get through all of this. Sure. There is a not not insane chance that Texas A&M is 10-0. Yep. Because their toughest games at this point – they're going to have to beat Auburn on the road. That's mm-hmm. going to be the biggest, biggest, biggest test by far. Mm-hmm. If they do that, you got two Mississippi schools that are both rebuilding. You got Arkansas, who's got a new head coach. You replaced Clemson with Colorado. Mm-hmm. And those and are Georgia your, with Vanderbilt. And Georgia with Vanderbilt. That, I mean, you, you should win those games. Yep. Right? Like, I mean, I think that honestly, heading into this game, the worst that you could kind of think is like nine and one. Yeah. Well, it should be obviously the know, worst you should. Do, yeah, the worst you should do is nine and one. The worst, right. obviously, that could be is like <laughs> seven, seven and three. And three. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Lost Colorado for no reason whatsoever. Right. right. Uh, but there's a real chance that they are ten and zero heading into this game. And and to be fair, like to be clear, that doesn't even assume a whole lot of, of development, right? No. Like that's just like as taking, they are right I now. I could take this team, yeah, and they put should them be next nine year. and one. Right. Exactly. 
And that's insane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's insane. And so you can t- like next year's the year where we figure out if Jimbo year can three. get this done. Year three is a big year for for everybody, right? Because mm-hmm. I mean. That's that's what we saw with obviously the Matt Rule's rebuild at I was Baylor. Just gonna, I was going to yeah. bring up Baylor. We looked at the schedule and we said this, things are aligning right. Right. And so, it, and the other thing about this game is because it comes when they're ten and zero, right, right? Potentially ten and zero, they're going to have a lot of confidence. A lot of confidence. We talked about the Baylor having the same thing, where it's like if that Oklahoma game comes in early September, I don't know if it's that close, right? I don't know if they get. They definitely don't get out to a. 20 whatever 24 point lead right um right and so because there's a thing about seeing yourself winning and dominating controlling games and knowing that you can do that right um there's a psyche that comes with that and so i mean yeah there's a chance november 21st we're looking at that game against bama as the biggest game probably since the last time they were hyped up to play bama uh in kyle field yeah yeah it's gonna be a big one and obviously i mean the thing is too right because they finished with alabama and lsu yeah but Obviously, LSU is not, you know, where they would be, you know, sure. usually, sure. right? Because they're going to be breaking in two new coordinators. Two new coordinators, new quarterback. New quarterback, a um, whole new defense, yep. a whole new offense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, like, there, there's a chance, and this game is going to be at Kyle Field, too. There's a chance that they are, you know, more like an 8-4 and four team next year, right? right? Uh, still a good team, mm-hmm. but, like, very beatable. Mm-hmm. And then you look at this Alabama game, right? Like, obviously, Adam's going to be a huge underdog heading into it. Mm-hmm. But, like, they're also going to be replacing a quarterback still. You know, I mean, I, I think that by this point, Bryce Young or Mac Jones will have taken the, the role and probably we'll be playing at a high are. level. But, yeah. like, you know, and the defense was not especially special this year. Mm-hmm. They'll get better, but, like, they still lose a lot, too. Mm-hmm. Um, offensively, I mean, Najee Harris coming back is a big deal, of course, but but I, I think that AM's strength has been its rush defense the past couple of years. Um, we've started to see with some of these young guys stepping in in the secondary that this team is, is really growing. I mean, like, this is going to be a big game. Mm-hmm. And, and look, I mean, I, I think that obviously, like, to to be able to really compete for a national championship, AM has to beat these teams when they're at full level anyway. Yeah. But like if there's a year that AM could just sneak into the SEC title game. This is it. This is it. This, this is the is year where it. you show proof of concept, right? Yeah. That you know, that that's that's the big thing. Is you show this is how we want to win games. You got mm-hmm. a senior quarterback, you got a, an offensive line with a bunch of seniors, not necessarily a great offensive line, but but a good enough offensive line. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got contributors on defense, obviously, at all three levels of the defense that are now multiple years in the system. This is the year, man. <laughs> I will say the one thing that's interesting about this game for Alabama, too, is that this is the one, this is the year, I think, I don't know if it's 2020 or 2021, but there was one year in recruiting where they had a slight hiccup. Yeah, where it wasn't like you know in a slight hiccup by Bama standards, right? right? As they in like, finished number three, right? Exactly. Well, like we're like I want to say it was like 2017, 2018, where they finished like fifth. Yeah, right. And it's like where they weren't getting exactly right those blue chip guys that they always get. Right. right. They're obviously A uh, and M and Texas would kill to finish fifth in a bad year. Right. But I want to say it was like 2017, 2018, where they were like, oh, Bama. like it was when like the Clemson news started right. to like really like, well, is the change happening? And, and, and the, so this is the year where those right. guys would potentially be making the bulk of the roster. Right. And so, you know, again, I'm saying, yes, a lot of those guys are still blue chips and they'll right. be fine, but it right. isn't that level of Bama star well, talent that we've seen. And, and the thing that I'll say, too, is like, I think that obviously, I mean, it's my opinion that Nick Saban's the best coach of college football history. Sure, sure. You know, like. 
like he's going to be totally fine. Right. But I do think that Bama's strangled holds on the sport to the level that it was five years ago. Right. Where there was consensus I, number one for like five years straight. Yeah. yeah. I, I think it's kind of over, mm-hmm. right? Because Clemson's do, doing that. Clemson's there. Um, from a recruiting perspective, Georgia's there. I was going to say Georgia's there. You know, yeah, obviously, Alabama's still in that group, but Ohio State is recruiting at that same level. You know, that same sort of like, – like there's like four or five teams now that are like, okay, we are at that level. Mm-hmm. And then even like – I mean, the fact that even like both Texas and A&M have gotten into that group. Right. You know, they're not there. Like they're still at a huge disadvantage versus those top teams. But Yeah, like, so I'm looking at it right now. So from 2011 to 2017, Bama was number one. Yeah. 2018, they fell to fifth. Wow. And that was Georgia when Georgia broke out with yeah. Kirby Smart's uh, recruiting Ohio State, Texas, USC. Yeah. And so it was that year was like the one hiccup. Right. Right. And so I'm curious of how that that does when that when that group becomes the new bulk of right. the two deep. Well, and that's the thing. It's like the thing that you say about that is obviously Alabama's still going to have elite talent right. and enough to win a national title, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But but like you said. That becomes a point, and and I think it's really going to – it started with that recruiting class, and it's continued to a small extent, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, That's where Alabama does not have the super galactic advantage over everybody. Right. Right? Where where they are just better than everybody. Or something like last year against Clemson happens in the title game, where something like this year with LSU happens in the SEC – or in the the regular season game. Right. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. I I mean, again, this is – this is the rebuilding year for the SEC, and AM is potentially the team that's more of the finished product. Again, mm-hmm. year three is an important year mm-hmm. when it comes to when it comes to rebuilds. And um, and look, obviously, if they if they go, you know, nine and three, eight and four, it'll be disappointing. It won't be disastrous by any means. I mean, this is a long term rebuild, but like, you really want to start to see it. Like like for example, I mean, look at uh, look at Jimbo Fisher at Florida State, right? His first year they go ten and four, second year nine and four, third year twelve and two, fourth year national title. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's how they built up. Is was their third year they were playing in a New Year's Six game, and that's that should be I think a, a fair expectation next year for Texas A M. Is that sure. you know they don't have to win the SEC or they don't even have to play in the SEC title game, but you want them to be in conversation for the number three team in the SEC mm-hmm. or, or number four team. You know where you're. you're you want to be in that Georgia slot where they're playing in the right. Sugar Bowl, well, the New Year's Six. Or something. Even even if you can't get to the Georgia slot, you at least want to be in the Florida spot. Sure. Yeah. You know? Right. You right, want right. to you want to be sort of that next year team. And again, like they don't have to go win the dang national title next year. Not at all. But you want to see something. Yeah. You, you really want to see something, and I think that everything is setting up for for us to see something. All right. So number one is my my cheating answer. LSU plays everybody in the state this next year. So they play A&M in the last week of the season, obviously. Mm-hmm. They play Texas in week two. Uh, they play UTSA in week one, and they play Rice in week three. They are just doing a recruiting trip on yeah. that. <laughs> and, and that's the funny thing, right, is like they uh, well, they went to Austin last year. This year they go to College Station. They're going to play in Houston uh, against Rice at Energy Stadium, which is just going to be a showcase game for them, obviously. Who, who? I'm sorry. Who allowed LSU to just run up the state and <laughs> just like, put on a touring show of their football team? Well, it's, it's so funny because it's, 
literally three of their four non-conference games are against Texas. Teams. Who agreed to that? Like, that's... <laughs> like, if I'm Texas, I'd be like, hey, wait, no, we're not playing you. Oh, hold up a minute. <laughs> yeah, we're not playing. We'll play somebody else from the SEC. We're not playing LSU because you're, you're literally having... You might as well just release the tour dates in <laughs> Texas because, hey, here's where we're going to be in town. Man, or you want to come and, see us? And you know what? I'll tell you what. If you're, uh, <laughs> if you're LSU too, man, you just bring that trophy with you everywhere. Yeah! <laughs> like, just, like, just, well, hey, come on. take a, a, a photo on the concourse at NRG. Guys, what are we doing? <laughs> you're letting your you're letting your enemy right in your backyard and say, yes, you can take a look at the house yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> As oh. before they move in. <laughs> you want to play in Houston? No right. problem. Yeah. Right. Oh, oh, you want to play at a neutral site? No right. problem. Here, please, <laughs> sleep in my bed. <laughs> Why not? Play, eat my cereal. <laughs> so so all four of these games, I think, have uh, have some interesting storylines. So so UTSA, obviously, that's going to be Jeff Trailer's debut. We're going right. to learn nothing. Right. You know, we're not going to learn anything about Jeff Trailer. Right. But we're week. seeing Jeff Trailer on the sideline as a head coach right. for right. The, in college. We're, we're going to see uh, what his fit is, if he if he's going to wear the, the, the jacket, if he's uh, going to yeah, sure. see if he w- wears a smock, you know, yeah. anything like that. <laughs> we're going to figure that out. Uh, versus Texas, I mean, obviously, I, th- I think that Texas has a very decent shot of winning this game. Mm-hmm. You know, I, in fact, I'd, I'd argue that it's important for them to at least have a very good showing, even if they don't win the game. Right. Uh, you know, playing in Baton Rouge is always terrible for mm-hmm. your team. But I think that this is obviously the type of game that, that Texas should win. And, you know, obviously would help push Texas to being sort of a top 10 team, all that sort of stuff. We can argue whether it should, but it will is, right. is the point. Um, against Rice, obviously playing against them in Houston, uh, that's going to be an interesting deal. Uh, Rice has obviously played everybody close. So if, if Rice can, like, make things a little more interesting than they could, like, man, that is a huge win for the program. <laughs> not not projecting it, but, you know, if they could. Yeah. Um, and, then, and then finishing Texas A&M versus LSU. Again, this could be a Texas A&M team that's maybe already at 10 wins, mm-hmm. uh, playing at Kyle Field. They Last year was the revenge spot for LSU. Yeah. This is the revenge spot for Texas A&M. Yep. You know, because LSU's potentially going to be playing Miles Brennan, who, you know, cool. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're going to have to replace all those wide receivers. They're going to have to replace their running back. They're going to have to replace all those players in the secondary. They're gonna have to, basically... Every level of LSU is just decimated right now. Now, again, they are also recruiting at that Alabama level, so it's they're gonna they're gonna be fine. And mm-hmm. on top of that, like, man, they are telling some really good kids, like really really good prospects. Hey, we don't we don't really want you anymore. Right, we don't need you. They're they're gonna have an insane recruiting class, yeah. I think, this year and next year. But this is the one hiccup year, probably. You know, we don't even necessarily know. They're what they're, one. Right, yeah. for sure, for sure. We don't even necessarily know what they's gonna do, uh, you know, on offense. Obviously Steve Ensminger's still their offensive coordinator officially, but like what are they gonna do without Joe Brady? We don't necessarily know. Right. Defensively, what are they gonna do without Dave Aranda? I, I think that they'll probably promote from within, but you know, we'll see. But LSU, man, LSU's gonna have a lot to say about what the state of Texas is next year. Because look, man, if LSU goes and washes all four of those teams, Oh boy, that's a disaster for the states <laughs> because that would mean that A and M's not really a, an SC contender. I mean, Texas is not a real contender. I mean, obviously UTSA and Rice, you expect them to lose, but like, man, if they if they go and wash the state, Louisiana State University can absolutely crush the state of Texas right. next year. Yep. I mean, it's oof. it's going to be a, a four really big games, I think, and um, and obviously the thing is too, man, is like. It, we've joked about it before, but Oklahoma recruits and develops the state of Texas better than anybody in the state of Texas. 
LSU's probably second. Uh, you know, even though they're losing all those guys, they're losing Delpit, they're losing Chase on all those guys. They're they're still gonna have a whole bunch of Texas kids who are gonna play at a high level. So that's my number one. All four of those games against the Texas schools again. Obviously cheating. I don't really care. I don't. I don't care what you have to say. So. Anyway, everybody, uh, thank you so much, as always, for joining us. Like I mentioned, you can follow us, textfootball.com slash subscribe. All of our work is at textfootball.com. Follow us on Facebook, Dave Campbell Sucks Football. Follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Let us know. Uh, Let us know what your most anticipated game is next year. There's a whole bunch I didn't even mention. I didn't mention A&M playing against a conference foe in Colorado. I didn't mention Baylor playing against Ole Miss. Like, there's a lot of interesting games. Texas Tech versus Arizona, you know, a revenge spot from last year. There's going to be a lot of fun games next year. So so let us know what your favorite is. Uh, tweet at us, email us, do whatever you want to do. Um, also, we have a new segment that we've been doing the last couple of weeks. It's a mailbag segment. Make sure and tweet your questions at us with hashtag AskDCTF, and we'll make sure and answer those in our subscriber mailbag. Uh, but as always, thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll be back with you guys again next week.